This is Life of an Architect, a podcast dedicated to all things architecture, with a little bit of life thrown in for balance. June 14th, 2018. It was a Thursday, World Blood Donor Day, and the end of Ramadan. It was also the first episode of the Life of an Architect podcast. That was 1,421 days ago, and a lot has changed. And Andrew and I are going to be covering some of the highlights and the lowlights as we look back over the last 100 episodes. Welcome to episode 100, cleverly titled, The 100th Episode. Special thanks to our sponsor, Peterson, which manufactures packed clad architectural metal cladding systems. Visit Peterson on the expo floor in booth 2560 at the AIA National Conference taking place in Chicago from June 22nd through June 25th, or stop by the AIA Chicago Hospitality Booth, sponsored by Peterson, to take a break from the excitement. Explore pack-clad.com for more product information. Welcome to the Life of an Architect podcast. I'm Bob Borson. And I'm Andrew Hawkins. And today, Andrew and I are going to take a walk down memory lane and recognize the achievement of reaching 100 podcast episodes. Doesn't really sound like much, if I'm being honest, but if you were behind (laughs) the scenes a little bit more, the people listening, you would realize that making it to 100, while not shocking, it is a little bit of a surprise. It's been a big hill. (laughs) Well, you know, it's a lot more work than I anticipated. Part of the reason I decided to start a podcast in the first place is that I thought it would be easier to talk than to write. <laughs> so so I got that wrong from a timing standpoint, for sure. Not to mention, I still put together a full-blown blog post for each podcast episode. So I've like doubled down on the amount of work. Yeah. You know why I do that? When I wrote the post, and I thought it was a good one, and I was talking about me and the Life of an Architect website were having a little relationship chat, and I was basically telling the website that I was going to step out on it with podcasts. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got a lot of emails back, people like literally saying, why are you doing this? They thought I was going to stop writing the blog site, and people actually were like mad about it. <laughs> well, it's got to happen someday. I mean, no offense, you can't do this forever. I know. I was like, look, I need, I'm so burnt out. I'm so burnt out from doing this. That was 2018. It's four years later, folks. Yeah. I'm going to do something different that takes, oh wait, more time. <laughs> more time and more effort. Yeah, yeah. So I mentioned it at the top of the show. So the podcast was birthed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. On June 14th of 2018. That's when the first episode came out. And for the people that go back and listen, I know this is a sore point for Andrew. (laughs) It is. You can't deny it. I mean, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. So when I started it, I had a different co-host. I had Landon Williams, the great Landon Williams, who was an employee of mine. He was great. And I thought, hey, here's the context. You have me, old guy, talking about the 50 times I've been around the block. And Landon was right out of school. And I thought it would be interesting to have that dynamic between never having done it to someone who's done it before. You want somebody to play off between the two. Yeah. And it made sense. And Landon was interesting. He's fun. I like him. We still get along great. But he got a girlfriend during this time. And he realized that he'd rather have a girlfriend than do this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of work. I mean, it's a lot of work. It's like, where do you want to spend your time? 
Yeah, I used to describe it a little bit more colorfully, but the short version is, is after all, he's kind of like, I don't want to do this. This is too much work, and I would rather run around and go on adventures and camp and go fishing and stuff like that. So that lasted 12 episodes. Mm -hmm. And then I tapped my good buddy and (laughs) conference slash convincing co-pilot Andrew Hawkins to join. But the thing that I know that bugs you, because it is, I wrote it down to talk about later, but I'll say it now. The most downloaded episode is episode number one. (laughs) It's number one. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is not everybody has listened to every episode. I'm sure there are a couple of people, but people find it and they're like, oh, I discovered you on episode 62 or whatever it is. And as soon as they realize that it's interesting, everyone wants to go back to the beginning to see like the origin story. Yeah. And then they're surprised to learn that it's not Andrew Hawkins on episode one. (laughs) Yeah. And that is much to my chagrin as well. But, you know, I let it go. By the time you actually asked me to join, I'd kind of made my peace with you blowing me off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at first I thought, well, you know, Landon's sitting right there. Yeah, I know. I know. I understood it. I mean, eventually. Yeah. It wasn't a slight against you. Honestly, I didn't even think about it. That sounds worse than what it was. I just mean, (laughs) he's right there. It's convenient. We're not the same person. Yeah. Like you and I have, we have a lot of similarities to one another. And I thought it'd be interesting to have sure 25-year-old and 39-year-old talking about stuff. That's what I thought would be more interesting. Who was the 39-year-old? Me. Me. I was. I still am. Oh, yeah. Sure. Sure. <laughs> That's right. 2018. Yeah. Yeah. So when Andrew started, his first episode was the gift guide of 2018. Which is a kick in the gut. That's a preparatory episode. You've got to do a lot of work for that. There's one. a lot of work to those. <laughs> and you've yeah. been stacking it up for a year. And you're like, hey, dude, in about two weeks, do you need to have all these gifts? <laughs> I remember. I was like, oh. Yeah, most of that is true. The part that's not necessarily true is since I'd been doing it for so long, it's hard for me to come up with gifts. Eh. I'm learning. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised since I did proclaim that I've been around the block a few times. That the longer I do something, the harder it is to remain original or authentic or have a new idea or discuss something that you haven't talked about before. And there's evidence all throughout this podcast of that taking place, us starting with something just to do something different or to go, I'm kind of tapped. It seems like we're just repeating ourselves. So let's find a different way to take this in a direction that's not just a variation of something that we've done before. And we've done that a couple of times, I think, maybe with topics, but we at least always try to twist it in a different way. Okay, so let's, right out of the gate, because I get asked this question on occasion. I don't get asked a lot, because most people don't really care about the inner workings of a podcast. It sounds like I should say, my mom makes pizza rolls and brings them down to me before we start recording. (laughs) (laughs) It's not what it is, people. Yeah. But the way that we typically do this, because whatever, 100 minus 13, that's how many episodes Andrew and I have done together. 88. Yeah. This will make 88. This will be number 88. We've fallen into a pattern of who does what, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. And there's variations because sometimes I'll go, I'm busy. I can't do that. Can you help me out? And you do or vice versa, whatever the case may be. But for the most part, as a collective, we come up with show topics. We have a document online that we share. We have a folder and all the stuff that we share and all the stuff kind of goes and lives there. And when we have an idea for a show, we'll put it in there. And of course, we kind of have to come up with an editorial calendar to a certain extent. There's a look ahead. I know for the rest of the year, probably 70% of the episodes that we're going to be doing because we have to plan them. We got to get bodies in the right place, all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So as a group, you and I come up with what the topics may be. 
And then because I am prone to hyperbole and rabbit holes and forgetting what my point was. No. Yeah. No. I started doing run sheets day one. That's part of who I am. I prepare. I say, like, I want to tell this story and it's going to go from one to two to three to four to five to six to seven. Summary whammo. I want it. It's not scripted. Think of it as a. They're just outlines. It's like an outline. Essentially. They're usually only a page at max. It's like breadcrumbs. So I put that together. And that's where I do my research, and that's where I, if I go, oh, well, I can't have everything just be my opinion. So if I go and do research, or I find a link, or there's a white paper that I've read, or I want to be specific or attribute a quote to somebody, that's where I put it. It's all right there. And then what happens is that document surfaces back up again. But So then we record the episode, and then I upload my audio. Andrew and I record on separate channels. So that means I'm isolated on one track. He's isolated on one track. We marry them together in a program called Audacity, which is what we use. And it allows us to boost somebody's audio up or boost somebody's audio down, zero somebody out if we're talking over one another. Because these episodes, they're highly edited. Yeah. Less so now than they were in the beginning because we've gotten a little bit better at it. Better at it. But yes, they're still highly edited. The entire hour of content gets edited. Yeah. In the beginning, it was a lot worse, I would say, that we would talk for an hour and 30 minutes to get an hour show, but now we're getting better. We're we're more succinct and we don't, not that we don't go down rabbit holes, but we don't goof up, I think, as much as we used to or make mm-hmm. mistakes and that kind of stuff. We're getting better at just following along the path and, and telling the story and, and making things work the way that they should. Well, we're better at not saying ah and ums and you knows and likes and I still say right. A lot. <laughs> yeah. I still say I mean a yeah. lot, which drives me crazy. We cut those out. Yeah, for sure. Sometimes they don't all get cut and I'll go, I hate it. Like, right? It's a trigger. I don't know why I do it, but I do it a lot. Exactly. And sometimes you can't because I edit these things. I'm the editor for the most part. When we start talking about something and our sentences and phrases go together in such a way that it's impossible to cut out words. I'm good, but I'm not that good. I might mean, do a lot of things, but when words roll into one another, it becomes difficult to cut out that one word without it sounding very kind of choppy because it does that. Yeah. Some of them end up having to stay more than I would like. Or if I can cut the whole phrase, then I'll cut the whole phrase. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes when you're speaking, your voice is going up as you're going towards the end and then it starts dropping mm-hmm. down. And if you cut some up and you're talking and you're down. It makes it tough. The tone is what jumps out. Yeah. And it's terrible. So for sure. Andrew edits for content. Then he'll send that audio back to me, and I will cut it up and do intros and outros and insert audio for ads and the phase in and phase out and the opening audio. The music. Yeah, all the music kind of stuff. And this happens. Occasionally, I'll edit an episode for content, and it'll go to Andrew, and he'll go back behind it and re-edit it. I do the same thing to him. It's funny that while I think I'm doing a killer job, I'm better at editing my own audio because I know what triggers me. Mm-hmm. more than than you and vice versa sure but when it comes back to me i listen back through it to make sure that there's nothing weird or a weird pause or a word got clipped or something but then we also put timestamps. so if you actually go to the website and you're reading the post and you're listening to it and all you're interested in is this one section that we've identified there's a jump to section and so you can press the button and it'll skip whatever you don't want to listen to and go to that one part so we have to timestamp everything. So that's a little bit extra work. And then I generally write the blog posts. We tend to record these two weeks before they drop 
I don't know a better way to put it, before we publish them. And the idea is we record them on a Tuesday night, and then Andrew normally takes about a week or so, and he does the editing. And then it comes to me, and then I spend like normally part of my weekend writing the blog post on Saturday and Sunday to get it put out. So that's kind of the pattern, and that's been established. And I will tell you, Andrew's got it way worse than I do. (laughs) Because editing, it's... It's a grind. It is a grind. It's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. Each episode probably takes me six to eight hours to edit for content and to clean them up and to make them sound good. It does get to be a grind to go through and do all that. Yeah. I'll tell people that for every 10 minutes of audio, it takes about an hour to edit it because we're editing out silence sometimes. There's too big a pause Mm -hmm. or we tell a story and then... And here's the thing that kills me. And I know you've gone down this road a few times. You'll be editing something. You'll be editing eight minutes of something. And then there's no point. And then you end up just deleting all of it. Cutting it all out. Yeah. After having edited out half second increments at a time. Yeah. That is difficult as well. And that happens more than I would like. Also, then when you add in ads, when we have the episodes that have ads. Yeah. That's more time for me to edit because I edit content on ads. Yeah. We used to do the two-minute ones. We don't do those anymore, really. So they're five-minute ads. And again, that five-minute audio sometimes comes out of a 30-minute conversation or a 20-minute conversation. And there's a lot of editing for those to get those right and get them where the advertisers are happy with what's coming out of the coming out of the speaker. Yeah. Well, this is not in order, but since we brought up ads. So no one's ever asked me this, even though I'm sure some people think about it. They'll go like, why do you take on ads? I mean, other than the obvious fact presumably we're getting rich over here (laughs) we just i got a bed full of money i lay down on every day that's right i don't (laughs) even use a blanket i just pile up singles hundreds on me yeah hundreds yes so the reason why we took on ads this is a bigger look at it so for the entirety of the life of an architect website i paid for that out of pocket server costs technical issue costs if i had to hire somebody to do something which didn't happen too often but it got big enough to where I was paying like $1,600 a year in server costs because I was running 80,000 people a week through my site. I almost got up to 4 million people a year. I couldn't be on a shared server anymore, and it was expensive. Mm. And that was, again, go back to when it started, not the podcast, but the website. And so I paid out of pocket for years and years and years out of this. And finally, I went, you know, this is, I don't like it. I don't, I don't love doing this so much that I want to keep paying out of pocket for this, so I when I started doing research on, you got to host the podcast somewhere and that has expenses and all that kind of stuff. I said, I'll take on an ad to help offset the costs that we pay out of pocket to put the show on. Because it's like to put a number to it. It's about $350 a month is what we have to pay. We pay $200 and change just to send out emails. So if you subscribe yeah, to the You get website, those subscription emails. Guess what? <laughs> yes. And I keep going, there's got to be a better way to do it. but. I don't want to make the user experience garbage. I can use a free one and you're going to get spammed. They're going to stick ads on it. And I go, I don't want to mess with that kind of stuff. So I paid more money to avoid that from happening. And when the site was big, I had people trying to hack it all the time. I had to pay for all these aftermarket security measures to go in place. Now, luckily, I found a guy who has been great helping me. He's been on board for about six years now. And he hosts the website himself. And so if there's an issue, I'm 30 seconds away from getting it fixed. And he charges me almost nothing in comparison. Security guard, right? He's the door guy. Yeah. I mean, it's not free. 
it ain't $1,200 a year either. Yeah. So we average about three fifty a month, and I go, I don't want to keep paying this out of pocket. So that's why we take on ads, in case anyone was curious why we do it. Well, and we also need to buy equipment. We use some of that money to buy equipment in the beginning, in the first two years. Yeah. Because we weren't pulling that out of our pocket either. You know, it's funny. I'm not going to name names, but Andrew and I have talked. There's a guy that has a – he should have an amazing podcast. Amazing. He has amazing guests on it, and he's in rare air with the people he gets on his show. But if you go read the comments, they're all about, oh, my God, dude, your audio is terrible. It's terrible. And that was one thing from the very beginning. We're like, we're going to try to get the audio as good as we possibly can. So we have really nice mics. We have good setup. We have twos of everything because Andrew and I are not in the same place. Yeah, not anymore. And then, and I'm kind of getting all over the place a little bit. We would take the show on the road. Before the pandemic happened, we would go to... AIA conferences and builder shows and stuff like that. And we would record there and we'd need to have equipment for the guests. For a very short window of time, do you remember you and I are rolling up with our $700 Sure microphones and we're handing them like a USB <laughs> yeah. plastic yeah. mic? A $35 mic. Here you go. Yes. We're going to sound great and you're going to be a little tinny. Yeah, you're going to sound a little bit like a cartoon. Yeah. So we're like, we got to deal with that. So we have a couple thousand dollars worth of equipment. I wanted to not come out of pocket for that stuff. So, all right. So one of the things, I'm going to go back to the order of my notes here. (laughs) We brought up the idea that we don't want things to become static during the show. We want it to be interesting and fresh and all those kind of good things. And I'm curious to how many people actually pay attention and notice this. But since we're really in year four, because we're like three years and two months or whatever it is, we've changed the music. Well, 2018 mid-2018. We're about to start year four. In June, it'll be the start of four. Start of year four. Yeah. No. Uh, is that right? No, start of year five. Yeah, that's my point. You said three years and two months. Well, I meant like we have three years and we're in year four because we're... The way I look at numbers and calendars drives my wife crazy. You know, drive everybody else crazy. But okay, the point is, now we change the music every year. So when I first did it, I went to a website where you can buy royalty-free music, and there's 8 billion options that you can go through. Yeah, there's a bunch. We both did that. We came with like 10 or- Not year one. You weren't there for year one. Oh, well, sure. Not for that selection. Okay, yeah. And so so I chose it. And so I thought it would be fun to take everybody on a trip down memory lane of the music that we've played. Musical memory lane. Musical memory lane. This is actually- the music from year one, for those of you that have actually gone back in time to check it out. So poppy. Okay, there you go. So that's year one music. And you know what? I like it. I still like it. Yeah, I know a lot of people that liked it, I think. It's interesting. A little rocky, a little jazzy. It's got some fun stuff in it. It's got some vocals in it, which... It's got a little vocals, which normally I try to avoid. Yeah. So the way this process works is when you download this royalty-free music, it actually comes to you in a million parts. 
they isolate all the different instruments in. So you can turn stuff off, you can turn it on, you can diminish how loud one thing is versus another. I go in there and I edit it and I chop it up and I remake it so that it sounds the way I want it to sound. And it's the length I want it to be. Yeah, because there's the full song and then 45 seconds or something and eight seconds and whatever. Yeah, so they have the full version, then they have what they call loops, and then they have shorts is what yeah, they call them. Okay. Loops tend to be between eight and 15 seconds, and they isolate one bit, and if you just stacked them up end to end, it would be this one part, and it would just go forever. Over and over and over and over. Yeah, and then they have loops, which is what I just played. So what I'll play today to show the four that we've used, those are the shorts. They usually have like a 30-second short, and they have a 60-second short. Mm. And the full-blown normally like two and a half minutes or something. Two minutes or whatever. So we use that song for the first 39 episodes. So that was from mid-2018 through December of 2019. And I was like, all right, let's do something fresh. New year, new jams. So the next one that we went through sounded like this. See, I like the bass. All right, so that was the music that we used in year two. Actually, at the time, I go, upgrade. I like it a little bit better. Yeah. I started to think about it differently because when we do an ad, I have to take an excerpt and I have to fade up the music, fade out to do like these little 15 second intros. And I can't have it too rocking and too jamming because we're going from conversation and introducing a new person. And, you know, it can't be like rock and roll. That's <laughs> not the kind of transition that you want. Yeah. It's got to be a little more subtle. So normally when I pick these, I'm looking at all the loops and how can I build them into being what I want them to be. So we kept that one from episode 40 through episode 65. So basically that was 2020. That was the year that we kept that. The year of 2020, sure. Yes, which was 25 episodes. So then year three, which was basically all of 2021, that's how we do it now. That was this version Lots of bass. Clearly, I like bass. Funky bass. It's getting a little mellower, though. We're being a little more mellow. Okay, so for the people that are really sharp and pay attention to these things, that clip, that 30-second clip, technically has never aired on the website. Because <laughs> I didn't want the little twinkly sounds, and at one point they're like, hold up. I got rid of all those things, and I cut it into something else, but I used the parts, but I just got rid of the stuff I didn't want. And that version, also, I like it. It's pretty similar to what we did in year two, yeah. but just had a different kind of feel to it. Yeah, I feel like it's getting a little bit more mellow. The first one was like, woohoo, party on, and now we're kind of slowing down a little well, I go, it's funky. Yeah. We're going funky on it. So that makes me think, okay, so how would you consider the current jams? This is the current one, which I actually like quite a bit. Here we go. 
I always imagine myself walking in slow motion during this song. And see, I feel like that's my entrance into some movie where I'm walking into the casino in Vegas. Kind of like Ocean's Eleven vibe is what I get out of that. Yeah, it definitely has that. I actually like all the songs we've used. And I wonder every now and then if we'll go to a different song in year five or if we'll just do music roulette. And just like you don't know which one of these four you're going to get in year five. So, Yeah, so I've got several friends of mine that listen to the show. And I don't remember exactly when it was, but one of the times we switched the music, they called me up and they were like, what did you guys do? Why did you flip the music? They gave me a little bit of grief about it. I think it's because they really liked whatever year it was. And they were like, oh, man, I can't believe it. You just changed the music. That last one was so great. That's the only commentary I've ever heard on it was somebody mad that we switched it. I've never heard one thing positive or negative on the music, ever. Well, that's it. I wonder if anybody even pays attention. I know that you do because you're a music guy, which deals with the the level of audio quality that you want to do and making the music really important. I agree with it. I'm the same way. I'm just not quite as intense as you. But I wonder if some people just, eh, whatever. Do they even fast forward through that part? 10 seconds skip through the music to just get to us talking. Which, if that's the case, I feel bad. I don't. I don't. I go, it's for me, I guess. And I'm happy to do that. (laughs) Because when I cut in the music, I actually come up with the cadence. So I listen to the way we talk and I kind of have like a, uh, um, we're talking, we're making a point and start. Because I notice it when it's off like a half a beat and it makes my skin crawl a little bit, which is why I do the music on the show. Mm Mm-hmm. More from Life of an Architect in just a moment. I'm sitting down today with Mike Weiss, Vice President, Sales and Marketing with Peterson, maker of pack-clad architectural metal cladding system. Mike has been in the construction industry for 29 years, starting at Ferguson Enterprises, then focusing on the metals industry for 27 years, working briefly at Reynolds Metals and the past 23 years with Peterson. Hi, Mike. Thanks for joining me today. How are you doing? Good morning, Bob. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I would like to ask you about the box rib wall panels. I'm currently working on a boutique hotel project where I'm using this box panel profile because it's so clean and it's got a nice modern aesthetic. One of the other things that we didn't take advantage of, but we thought about it for a while. We were trying to find how can we articulate these surfaces differently, but trying to be cost effective in what we're trying to do, but really make a design statement. And one of the things that this system allows you to do is you can combine it with other metal wall panel systems that PackClad offers. You can absolutely mix and match a lot of these different profiles to really just add more impact to the building. These panels are typically the same depth. So as far as installation goes, things are easier to install because the panels are the same depth and they can go together a little bit better. We have the box rib, those four different profiles. We have eight other that you referred to also are high line wall panels, which also give different depths, different shadow lines. These things can be interchanged. It just makes it fun. It makes it fun for the owner, for the architect, everybody to put these things together to really put their own individual stamp on the design of the building. One of the things that we spent some time discussing was whether or not we wanted to use a hidden or an exposed fastener system. In the end, I think we're going to go with an exposed because we actually want some of that articulation to be part of the pattern that we're putting on the outside. But people have the option to do either on all these panels. They do. And I absolutely love the exposed fastener look. I really do. If you go back decades, the exposed fastener panel was the cheap option for the way to put something up on a wall. But 
Over the past decade, at least, these exposed fastener panels have become really chic in a way. They've become a a way to design a building. You can perforate these, you can put them up on the wall, and the fasteners are exposed, but they add another aesthetic to the building that a lot of architects really like. And then when you put these color choices with it, along with the different styles and patterns of exposed fasteners, I like to say that exposed fastener panels back in the day used to be like that old farm tent, just Mm -hmm. throw it up on the roof and hope it keeps water out. But now it's, it's become <laughs> architecturally significant. Yeah, It's become something of its own aesthetic design option, which has just turned a lot of structures into something really beautiful. Actually, Andrew and I talked about this on one of the episodes of a few ago, and it had to do with how fast the design process moves nowadays. And during schematic design and early design development, when we're making decisions on what kind of metal cladding we would use and what profile do we want, He actually jumps into BIM very, very quickly. I'm still kind of an old school guy, and I tend to draw by hand a little bit. But one of the things that's helpful to us in this process is you guys have BIM files and CAD files available on all these profiles. Should somebody want to start looking at the details and how they're going to trim them out, that stuff's available. I don't want to oversell it, but it makes my life a lot easier when those files exist and I don't have to go make them. I couldn't agree more. You've been to our website, obviously. There's so many things on our website that we try to make user-friendly for everyone, the architect, the contractor, whomever's going to go. We want to make sure we have that information available and easy to get to because we want to make the process from start to finish as easy and as customer-friendly as possible. And you also mentioned earlier another area of our website that we're very proud of, our case studies. And you can go there and you can look at some of the work that's been done and get some inspiration from some of that. Our company was built on the roofing side of the business, but all of us absolutely love this shift more towards wall panels. Roofing is still a huge part of our business, but the wall panel side, it's exciting. It just brings a whole new aspect of manufacturing into design for what owners and architects are looking for. It's an interesting segue. I didn't know when I was making my notes. I've used Peterson wall panels on three different building types. I did it on a retail development in a residential environment. And now I'm doing this in a hotel, but the opportunity that people have to use these wall panels in many, many different types of residential and non-residential applications, it's pretty exciting. And it's got to make you feel good about the opportunities that you can present to people. The opportunities are endless. And you hit on three that really are driving our business and are driving interest in our products right now. The multifamily buildings, even residential, to your point, we've seen a little bit of a growth in that, which is a little surprising, actually. You wouldn't think that residences would go more towards a wall panel type metal single skin wall panel design, but they have. And it's the same theme that keeps reoccurring. It's people want to have that impact. They want that aesthetic that's just different from traditional brick and mortar. They want to have something that people will drive up to and remember things like that. Hey, Mike, thanks for taking the time to talk about wall panels today. I appreciate it. Bob, thank you so much. I really appreciate everything. And I appreciate you using our products too. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that. Yeah, absolutely. And for those that are listening, please visit pack-clad.com. Send an email to info at pack-clad.com or call 800-P-A-C-C-L-A-D. You can find your local representative pack-clad.com by clicking Rep Locator at the top of the website. All this information will be on the website in today's episode, so you can find it. You don't have to try to 
write it down as you're driving down the road. And again, Mike, thanks again for the time. Really appreciate you sharing the passion you have and the products that you're making for us. And I'll just say till next time. All right. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Right, have a great day. See you, Bob. Bye-bye. So one of the things we brought up earlier to segue to, to something different had to do with audio quality. And there are times when the audio on the show is not what it should be. And if I was a listener, I know that frustrates people. I know that there are podcasts that I won't listen to because the quality of the sound is terrible. And I'm hoping to God that the audio quality on this show is good, <laughs> especially since we're talking about how important it is to us to have good audio. Yes. And then if it's garbage, it's going gonna, it's gonna to break my heart. So part of the reason the audio quality varies is because I don't record in the same spot every single time. I don't have like a studio. So I did a bunch of episodes in Office 1. I did a bunch of episodes in Office 2. We've recorded a bunch of episodes in the front room of my mm -hmm. house. We started to deal with all these atmospheric conditions. So like recording in my office, where I'm at now, is fine. It's a huge space. It doesn't echo. It sounded great. And then the trash man would come <laughs> Yeah, in. except for the custodial staff that comes in. And they're vacuuming yes. over on the other side of the room. Yes, or the ambulance drives by or something. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And so I was like, God, you know, I want to control it better because sometimes you say something in a way that you go, I can't zero out the ambulance. That's a little too real for what we're yeah. trying to do. So then I'd move back and I'm in one of the bedrooms in my house and I have a giant woolly blanket pinned to my wall with baffles put behind it. So I didn't have such a live yeah. room and it took a few times to get that squared away. So every time I ended up having to make one of these changes, it's like I got to fine tune it to get it back to where it needs to be. Hey, look, if you hear some audio and you hate it and it drives you crazy, it's only a fraction of how crazy I'm driven because I actually did the work and to hear it be so garbagey destroys me yeah and it's funny how sometimes it doesn't even matter you can be in the exact same space and the setup is exactly the same and for some reason whatever it is the it's audio gets whacked out yeah. you know i'm lucky I've, I've been in my spot most of the episodes since we started recording in the pandemic you've moved around a bit but when we weren't together for a while i was just recording in my closet because the acoustics were okay in there and i could sequester myself away but then once the pandemic started for sure or actually a little bit before that, but I've been recording in the same space all the time. So hopefully it's a little more consistent, but again, things happen. I have to worry about things like cats screaming in the background and my, and my kids and yes. stuff, but that's about it as far as noise goes for the most part. Well, we've had to deal with, so your cat has a bell, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And we'll hear that tinkling. And then there are times like even tonight in this recording, we're doing it over Zoom so we can see each other, even though we're not recording using Zoom. And I can see that one of your kids came in and you were mouthing yeah, quiet. Yeah, exactly. It's part of what you got to do. I do remember the days of you recording in your closet and then you'd reach a breaking point of like, you're sweating <laughs> so bad. Yes. It's so hot in there. You're like, we got to wrap it I up. I'm, I'm melting. I do remember that. And then, of course, there's other times where before the pandemic, when we were traveling, we recorded a couple of episodes crammed in an audio booth that was... Big enough for you and I, but not big enough for you and I and two guests, the four of us sandwiched in there. And yes. that was actually, it was okay, but it wasn't okay at the same time. I don't know if the audio quality suffered, but it still, no. it was different. I mean, it was a different space for sure. Well, the content suffered a little bit because when you're in such a small space, now all our mics are picking up what everybody's saying. If I had to say, hey, here's a silver lining to us having to record in different places and use Zoom. 
because there's lag yeah. time sometimes. That's one of the things that we deal with is bandwidth and how fast is my connection tonight because we'll have weird pauses that take place because there's a second lag time between what I say and when you hear it. That's something that we mm-hmm. can deal with. My point of all that was now that we're remote, I'm completely isolated. My audio is 100% just yes. me. And when we're in those small boxes, if everyone starts talking over one another, you can't really zero out people because you'll still hear that person talking in somebody else's microphone. It might be faint, but it's still Yeah, the there. overlap of voices was really an issue when you start doing that. That's one of the great things about us recording the way we do now is that there's no overlap in the voices. So even if we talk over one another, I can split that audio and separate it out so that we're not talking over each other and those kinds of things. But there's a part of me that worries because we've talked about getting back together to record some stuff. I worry that it'll be a whole new process because we're not used to that anymore. And things like you know coughing while the other person is talking or something else like that, that'll all get picked up when we're back in the same space. We'll have to relearn all that. Yeah, we don't <laughs> yeah, worry about it now. Yeah. If I got a cough now, I just cough because you'll just zero it out during exactly. the editing. You know, one of the notes that we have in the run sheet had to do with what happens when you record yourself speaking and then you listen to it for a jillion yeah. hours. And something that I, I've never heard anybody talk about this before, and I wasn't really prepared for it, to be honest with you. But you know how like when you were younger, or even when you're older now, if you don't do what we're doing. If you hear yourself speaking recorded, you hear your real voice, and it's not what you sound like in your own head. Yeah. When you're talking, it's not what you hear or what you even think you sound like because it's reverberating through your skull and your ears or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I sound like Barry White, and then somebody plays back a recording, and you're like, oh my God, that sounds terrible. Now, we've both said this has happened to both of us. We've heard ourselves recorded talking so much that I sound the exact same regardless now. When I'm listening to myself on a recording versus I hear myself just talking when I walk into a room, no difference. Yeah, it's all the same. And it didn't go the Barry White direction. (laughs) Yeah. It went the terrible version, the version that- Although I think mine went a different way. It seems like I hear myself a little more baritone than I used to in my own head. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, not all the time, because again, my voice- fluctuate so much i think based on what i'm doing or my emotion i feel like i have a tendency to go that up and down a lot a lot more than you do i feel like your vocal range is a little more consistent than mine yeah maybe yours is just so bassy <laughs> i have gotten a lot of people go andrew was made for this because his voice is so <laughs> deep i've got a face made for audio is that what you're trying to say <laughs> uh, yeah man, that's I mean, I'll take it. And that's funny to me because I've never really thought that, but it is a little bit different now. We've been doing it for so long. Well, the one thing that used to be really bad, it's not quite as bad now, but you're kind of a quiet Mm -hmm. speaker. And when you talk, you'll get really close to the microphone. And then something will happen and you'll be super loud. And it's just kind of like, oh my God, it's so much from quiet to super loud and when you're trying to edit now you deal with that i don't have to deal with it so i stopped yeah. worrying about it but back when i used to do you crazy. editing it used to drive me crazy oh my god because it's so much and i used to say can you like turn your head when you're gonna erupt with something so that maybe it doesn't impact the audio yeah so and i've tried to get better about that just like i did then i'll start to pull further away from the mic if i know i'm gonna get loud or laugh or do something crazy so and again right. that's that learned skill to try to do that Yeah, if you're the one editing, you become hyper aware of if you have audible pauses. Like the one we said earlier, 
yeah, it's oh, all right to yeah. your nose, mm-hmm. or or if you're loud and quiet at the same time, and you're having to fix it, you deal with that pretty quick. You kind of learn because it's not fun yes, to fix. Exactly. Also, I mean, we didn't mention it, but one of the things for me is I actually feel like doing this has changed the way I speak a little bit when I'm not on the podcast. Really? Yeah, I become more aware, even though I still do and say those annoying things. I say like and I mean and that stuff, but. I find that I'm more aware of it and I try to do it less in just normal conversation than I used to because I'm aware of editing out myself saying, I mean, like a hundred times in an episode or whatever. That's another one or whatever. (laughs) So it's not all the time, but sometimes. Well, those fillers you use when you make a point and then you want to end it. So, or whatever. Right. Like we're going to do this, that, and the other. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. And I say, yeah. Like, I just did it. Yeah. Right? Right? Like, I'm agreeing with my own point. Yes. That I Although, made. I think it's a question most of the time. You're looking for agreement. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. What I just said was totally right. Right? Yes. Right. I, yeah. I hate it. I hate it. So, the next thing, when we were doing our research, I was a little surprised by this. And I get a lot of emails from people saying, hey, I have a, a person that would be great to be on your show. And if you're that person, if you're that type of person, we don't need anybody on <laughs> the show. I'm telling you right now. And it's not because they're not amazing. It's because they're not great. It's that we have an editorial calendar. I don't need filler. This is not an interview show. So we usually say, we want to talk about fill in the blank. And we want to go get someone who can contribute specifically to that point. I don't need, hey, this guy did this thing and people are really into it. Their agent is reaching out to me to place them on the show. Don't need it. I'm not a jerk. I mean, not for in that regard, but just, I don't need it. And so, I think it's because, like you said, we typically plan out a majority, I mean, sometimes the whole year, but typically at least 75 to 80% of the year before the year starts. November, December, we're laying out our next year and it's just stuff we want to talk about. It's not we're trying to find somebody to fill spaces unless we're talking about architecture on the moon and we get somebody from NASA. I mean, whatever it is. Yeah, because we need a moon person. Otherwise, it's the things that we want to talk about, and we set those. And if we bring somebody on, it's because we want to have them talk about a subject that we want to talk about. That we're not qualified. And so what we did is we went back, and people were like, why don't you have more guests on? I was like, yeah, I kind of agree. Like, we don't have a lot on. You know, the other reason I'll say that we don't have as many guests on as we could is it's a lot more work. You got to get them to sign a waiver so they don't change their mind in three years and say, hey, take my episode down. There's paperwork that you got to put in place. And then most of them don't have good audio recording equipment. And so they sound terrible. I can't fix it if you're sitting in a concrete bunker recording your audio through your computer microphone while banging your table and jingling your bracelets. That happens. And it's sitting on a metal table. <laughs> With your glass of iced cocktail beside you that you keep sipping on and setting down and sipping on and setting down. Yeah. These are actually real examples. We're not going to call the people out, but all of the things I just listed Mm -hmm. have all happened. And you're like, we have somebody like playing with their dog. Remember that? (laughs) So we went and I said, well, how many guests have we had? I'm sure it's barely any. I was shocked to learn that it's 20% of the shows that we've had have had a guest on it. 20%. I was pretty shocked too. I told that to somebody in my office today, and they're like, what? No, really? Yeah, I did the research. I'm not guessing. This is 100 episodes, and we've had 20 guests. We counted it up yesterday. 
pretty easy exactly. math. I think it might be fun. I'm not sure how it's going to work, but when I do the blog post for this, I might actually, as a way of saying, hey, thanks, 20 people, for being on the show, I might list who they are and what show they were on and put a link to that episode. If somebody wants to listen to the Starting Your Own Architecture Firm with Michael Shue, there'll be a link and they can just click to it and it'll take them to that episode. Yeah, for sure. I must admit, some of these I even forgot about its doing. <laughs> no, don't I'm tell not. Me which ones? Like, we don't want to hurt anyone. I'm not. Feelings. It's just going through this yesterday and picking these things out and filling out this list. And we were both shocked at how many it was. Some of them I was like, oh, I forgot we did that. But, you know, one of the things that I think we need to get back to. So when we say that we plan out the year, we build gaps into it on purpose. When Notre Dame burned mm-hmm. down, we had a gap. We said, I want to talk about this. We don't have 11 and a half months of committed schedule. We have the ability to sometimes move stuff around or we have gaps built into every quarter, a couple of gaps built in. So if something happens, we can move things around or talk about something when we want. That's to how we got about. to talk about COVID in the beginning because we had a gap. We're like, hey, let's talk about working from home for the next two weeks. Oh, wait. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) I know that was pretty amazing. So we did a series called Talking Shop with, we had Omar Gandhi on, we had Marlon Blackwell on, we have Christine Williamson, Christy on from Building Science Fight Fight Club. Club. Yeah. I mean, we had a couple of people on and I go, they were pretty interesting. They were kind of interview shows because we let the show be about that person, you know, and say, hey, this is what I think people would want to ask if they were sitting at a table having a beer with that person. Like, let's get real. Yeah, let's talk about stuff. Just it can be whatever we want, whatever you want to be, or what I think people would want to know. We only did a couple of them, but at one point we were thinking, oh, we do one a quarter. That was kind of the That was the dream. That was the dream. And then things got weird because COVID happened, and we kind of went down a little bit of a hidey hole to a certain extent, and we kind of stopped doing them. I'd like to bring those back, though. Yeah, I think they're good. Sometimes part of the issue, I think, was we ended up trying to say, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be to try to find guests? Which I think we can still manage if we put our minds to it. But if I remember correctly, that's sort of what happened. Because we had a couple of those, I think, where we were trying to reach out to people and they just couldn't, we couldn't get the timeline to work out the way that we needed it to. And so it was like, well, okay, and then forget it. The other thing I think that's interesting about all those is sometimes I feel like the blog posts are the ones that are more difficult for those because it's it's just a Q&A. We're just writing the answers. Those blog posts are always sort of, I don't want to say poor performers, but they don't get a lot of interaction because it's, here's this question, here's the answer. Here's this question, here's the answer. In that yeah. instance, the commentary, you can't get involved in that conversation that we're having with the third person. Yeah. Well, you know, we've talked a few times about things that we've done I mean, this might be in the show notes at some point, but there's changes that we've made to the show over time that had to do with, like, we used to have outtakes and we got rid of them. We got rid of them not because we don't have them anymore, even though we do have fewer because we don't have missteps as mm-hmm. much. It had to do with the demands on our time. Andrew and I sat down and we're like, we need to make some changes because I can't keep dedicating 20 hours a week to this. I don't have that bandwidth. It's too hard. So part of it was we need to stop recording 90 minutes to get 60 minutes of audio. Can we get that down to like, let's talk 68 minutes to get 60 minutes of audio. That was something we Mm -hmm. talked about. I definitely want to talk about this later, but we went from hypothetical questions to would you rather question. And we did that because hypothetical questions were all taking like 20 plus minutes to go through because you got to really vet the whole thing out. There's a lot of moving parts as opposed to would you rather. It's would you rather one or two? 
And it, you could wrap one up in five to eight minutes. It wasn't as wide open. Yeah. So there's things that we did to shorten the amount of post-production work that we had to do. And I think that was the other part of it. When we got rid of the outtakes, it was because they were getting harder to come up with. Because we were getting better at it and we weren't flubbing up so much or doing goofy stuff. Because of the time demand, we got to the point where we were like, all right, we're just going to focus in and we're going to do it, get it done, and move on. And so we didn't have as many mistakes. Or they weren't as amusing. I mean, there were mistakes, but nobody's going to laugh because you mispronounce something or say this three times. It was getting harder for me to even to find them in the editing process. And then right. you have to look at them and go, oh, those were terrible. It ended up not, not working out quite the same. Well, we also weren't as prone to being silly and goofing off as much during yeah, the show. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. When we go from 90 to 60, there's not as much, hey, let me tell you this funny story that I heard in the middle of the show. Like, we stopped doing yes. that sort of thing. One of the things that I wrote down in here, if you have an answer for it, I, maybe I'd be surprised because it's not in here. But at first, we were thinking, oh, what's your favorite show or what's your least favorite show? And, and I kind of bailed on both those because I don't. I don't have a favorite show and I don't have a show that I hated. Now, I will say that some shows are a lot easier to record than others. Some require a lot of research. When we did the episode on burnout, I read about a million white papers on that so that I could speak with some authority and not like, yeah, I work a lot and I feel tired. You know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Right? I just did it right. Now everyone's going to be listening for it. I think there are some of those episodes that are easy to record, mainly because there are things that we have conversations about outside of the podcast, even when we're just sitting around, and those are much easier to put together and start having a conversation about because we talk about them almost all the time. And then other ones where we have to, like you say, do some diligent work and figure some things out. And you would think the list ones where we do certain things, the bucket list or the this or the that, those aren't as easy as you would think. They require some effort to actually put together and deal with just in, in the overall process not just the recording but the recording and the blog posts and everything else those episodes become much more involved and hey let's just talk about construction documents for an hour because that's an easy conversation to have there's not a lot of research we got to do and we both have issues that we can discuss off the cuff yeah we have opinions that we've formulated over yes. years now i did write down there was one episode in particular that stands out in my mind that I was disappointed by. And I wasn't disappointed because it wasn't a good show. I was disappointed because it was an amazing show and it didn't do as well as I anticipated. It tanked it didn't numbers tank. wise? Is that what you no, mean? not, not no. really. We had a couple of those. And I don't want to bring them out because I don't like sometimes we have. No, we should on. bring them out so people go listen to them. Yeah, Boost go the numbers. You the missed numbers. out on this awesome episode. <laughs> So the one specifically that comes to mind when I think about it was episode 49, Objects of Design. And that was one where we chose three things that we thought were cool. And then we actually did a deep dive into the history of the whole thing. You're talking about gullwing cars and how they got designed and why they got designed. And I mean, there was so much into it. And I was really fascinated. And I thought, this is a really good show. People are going to learn cool stuff. I mean, it was yeah. amazing. And it didn't do badly. But it didn't do as well as the episodes that preceded it or followed it. It had a drop. It only dropped about 100 listens. At that time. Still, I thought, oh, it's going to kill it. It's going to do so yeah, good. Yeah, I thought that was going to be a really good one, too. And that was a lot of work. It is a good one. Everyone, go listen to that episode. It's one of my favorites, quite honestly. It's like a 99% invisible type show. I think so, one. in a way, yeah. Because we dug in, we picked those things and talk about 
everything about those. It wasn't just the list of things like the bucket list show. That was one of mine I really enjoyed, the bucket list show, just because it was fun for me to try to find those things in a way. Yeah, the objects of design. I thought it was a cool show, and I really liked that. I got excited digging into that stuff to find those things. Yeah. And then, you know. And, well, it wasn't that it was not well-received. It just wasn't the super-duper hit we thought it was going to be, I guess would be the thing, right? Well, I thought it was going to do so much better. Even if it had done the same, it would have been a bit of a disappointment, quite honestly. So I have a note in here to talk about this a little bit later, and I'll do a deeper dive into it later. But we keep track of downloads in a maniacal kind of way. (laughs) One of us does. Yeah, we'll let you guys guess who's the one that keeps track of it. Well, one, people want to know. When we sell ads, people want to know this kind of stuff. Well, yes, that is important for that stuff, but not quite even the way that the maniac that keeps track of it does it. Yeah. So anyway, when we release stuff after 24 hours, I will list how many downloads we've received at the 24-hour mark. But I recorded in that moment the download totals for every single episode. I guess I just confessed to being the maniac. It wasn't a hard decision. I know. Everybody knew. So at 24 hours, I'll say, at that time, Objects of Design episode got about 1,450 downloads. The one right before it was 1,513 downloads, and the one right after it was like 1,530 downloads. It wasn't a huge difference, but I expected it to be better, not even the same. Mm -hmm. So I was disappointed that it was slightly worse. Now, keep in mind, we've recorded more episodes since that one than we recorded before that moment. It's number 49. So the numbers are different. Now, if I got that number, I'd be devastated. We recorded an episode in the first 24 hours. We got 1,400 downloads. I'd go, the server must be broken. Like something's wrong. Currently, I can tell you in overall downloads, it is at number 47 of 99 episodes. It's right Right in the middle. middle. So there are episodes currently that have done worse that are actually older than that. But it's kind yes. of in the middle. Yeah, there are episodes where I went, oh, well, you know, whatever. It's a good episode. It's fine. I wanted that one yeah. to be special. And I will tell you this because I see this with the blog site a lot, that just because something's old doesn't mean it has more downloads, but it doesn't yes. hurt. So I can't look at it and say, if I just rank it by downloads, because here's some stats for you. I did write these down. If I said, what's the most popular show based on number of downloads? You know what? Number one was actually number 56 with Eric Reinhold. And at that time, it got, what? Are you shaking your head? It's no, not it's it. number one still. Yeah, that's no, what I said. It's episode one. Oh, no, that's not 24-hour oh. mark. Not total. This is not total. Okay, yes. You're talking about 24-hour mark. Okay. Yeah, you'll have to cut all okay. that out. Because I don't care about totals because... If something's been out for two weeks versus three years, the chances are that it's yeah, different. Yeah, but the... Not apples to apples okay. comparison. So I just look at what did they get in 24 hours? In the first 24 hours, what did sure. they get? And even that, I take that with a grain of salt because we got a lot more listeners now than we did two yes. years ago. So the 24-hour numbers are always yes. different. But what's interesting about that is 24-hour mark, the number one spot goes to starting a design firm. Which, first off, the topic alone, I knew that that one wasn't going to do good. But we had Eric, you know, my buddy Eric on it, and he's got a big following. So I know that kicked a handful of people mm-hmm. over to us. 
And in 24 hours, it got 2,420 downloads. That was episode 56. Number two was the last one we just released that came out two weeks ago. Episode 99. And it had 2,404 downloads in 24 hours. So 16 different. That's it. Burnout was two less than that. So the most recent ones are doing the best is kind of what we're seeing. There's been an upward trajectory now for three and a half years, whatever it is. Everyone seems to generally do a little bit better than the one. And before. just for the record, it seems like though the number that matters most is the the one month mark. Twenty eight days. When you're trying yeah. to sell things, that's the number that we have to use. That most people look at, at least as far as we can tell. Although, as we both lament, statistics on podcasts are the worst. Like, there's no way to find information. We have zero idea how many people subscribe to our podcasts. None. It's so frustrating for those things. You, you have no clue. None. Yeah. Well, part of it's because, so when we get downloads, I go to the hosting server because then it doesn't matter where the download Where it comes from. from. Yeah. Or where it goes. Yeah. Because if I think, oh, the big podcast playing app, the big fish in the pond is iTunes or Apple or Apple Podcasts or whatever they're calling it these days, only about 30% of our downloads come from Apple between iHeartRadio and Spotify and TuneIn and I mean, we get downloads from about 40 different listening platforms, and they're not aggregated anywhere. So if you're not Bob and you're not Andrew, it's impossible. You can never find out what our downloads are. Like, you couldn't go do the math and figure it out. Mm -hmm. Not that anybody would do that. You'd be a maniac if that was your goal. Yeah. There's numbers that I would like for us to be able to have that we can't get, which is just strange to me. It is strange. So the next section that I had notes to talk about because it kind of played a big role was when we used to do hypothetical questions. They were a lot of fun in the beginning. Most people don't realize the point of the hypothetical question, there's two things. One, it's to humanize us a bit rather than being two professorial dudes talking about whatever it is we're talking about. The other part, it's an exercise in critical thinking is really what it is. Here's this question. It's completely random. How do you solve it? What's the answer? How can you talk through what the solution would be in a shortened amount of time? That's really what the objective of that question is. Yeah, and trying to look at it from as many different possible perspectives and all the variables that might could possibly happen that we would dive into or bring up. That we as architects and creative people kind of do anyway on a daily basis. We just now applied it to something completely different. Absurd. Yeah. I've taken a lot of heat because they're like, you're such a bully. You just change the rules so that you win. I go, first off, you do realize it's more interesting if we don't agree. If I go, Andrew, what's the answer to this question? And you go, red, white, blue, banana, pickle. And I go, totally agree. All right, let's move on. That's not interesting at all. Sure. You got to have some conflict built into it. So I will say, since it's recorded, if I'm disrespectful, it's not on purpose. I'm doing it for entertainment values. And you'll see, we have a new one that we're doing today. We'll see how that goes. We'll see if I'm less of a bully on this new series that we're doing. So we always kind of have the same opinion. When we're doing the hypothetical question, after a while, they all seem to be superpower questions. <laughs> like somehow they all manage to like go down that path. It's got to be super difficult to come up with them. At yeah. least ones that yeah. we felt like could either be discussed at length with enough meat on them or that were appropriate to discuss in the podcast. Those are the, yeah. the two things. How do we do that? And it seemed like 
they ended up being repetitive, even if the question wasn't the same, that somehow we, they managed to work that way in our yes. conversation. Well, we recorded hypothetical questions from episode 10 to episode 64. So that's how long that lasted. And put that in comparison, when we made the change to Would You Rather, that was obviously from episode 65 to episode 99. So about one-third, yeah. two-thirds, kind of what we've Pretty been close. looking at it. So what we did is we identified, and these have come up before, quite honestly. We're not like chartering new, we're not breaking new <laughs> ground here. So when we wrote down, like, which ones do oh, we like? Yes. So one was from the fun show, which ironically is one of those shows that did terribly. And I didn't think it was a bad episode. And in fact, we changed the name of the show to the fun show because the hypothetical question was so hilarious. That show itself is kind of legendary from the hypothetical question portion, even though at the time nobody listened to it. It was a very poor. Still is. It is number 97 on total downloads. Yeah, it's. <laughs> Terrible. And you know what? It's worth <laughs> listening to. It, and it's got, from a historical standpoint, it's got a legendary question <laughs> in it. So I thought for giggles, I would show part of the reason why that question was so legendary. So the question was, you wake up one morning to find out that you've been secretly whisked away and deposited on a remote and hot yet lushly vegetated deserted island. Pinned to your shirt is a note that tells you that you will be picked up in five years and that you can have three things to aid you during your island vacation. What three things are you going to bring? So that's what we talked about. But we went down a rabbit hole about madness and being on an island by yourself and how do you keep your cool together. And then this happened. I tend to walk around sing things yeah. out loud. Yeah. I wonder if I do that. I'm walking on a beach. <laughs> There's a jellyfish. Don't step on it. <laughs> it's been three days. Like, is that is that the direction my madness would yeah, take me? I, right, yeah, I wonder that too. Right, yeah. I'm the guy walk around singing like really chipper songs about like terrible things. <laughs> yeah, going to kill some animals because I haven't eaten mm -hmm. in twenty days. Yeah. Yeah. You're super cute, Mr. Monkey. Eat my knife. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that friendly but yeah. terrible? <laughs> it was the best. It was the best I could come up with. I think this is pretty good. Eat my knife. <laughs> I, mean, I couldn't even breathe. It's not that funny. You know what? It is that funny. Not, uh, <laughs> Are you just replaying it over in your mouth? Eat <laughs> Okay, get it together. Get it together. No, but I knew you were going to turn it. I just didn't know it was going to be eaten. All right, so there you go. That's a classic. It is a classic. It's a classic. And I had to cut out a lot of laughing still after that. I couldn't breathe. I was so choked up about it. It was so funny to me. I don't even know why, like you say. I mean, it was funny, but it was a long time for me to calm myself down so we can finish that conversation well we'd start up again and then we'd start laughing about it yeah it was it was ridiculous what was with us that day but we were pretty goofy about that now there was buttons and t-shirts and other things like that oh my gosh it's got it all and we ended up putting that on a button and man those buttons went like hotcakes that was kind of a legendary one so another one of the ones that came across and the truth is this whole answer was good you get super mad at one point but it's still funny. 
And this was from episode 25, which was Architectural Bucket List. And we had never done a zombie question. So this is the one we introduced a zombie question. And the question was, you have just learned from a high-ranking government official that an airborne virus was released by terrorists around the globe. And as a result, the zombie apocalypse will begin, it says in three days, but I think we made it five days. You got five days. And so you've been informed that these are the slow-moving variety of zombies and that 90% of the world's population will be infected and will ultimately die off over the next five years. You're being notified because your DNA, which is conveniently on file, alerted government officials that you will be part of the 10% that's unaffected. How will you use this time to prepare? That's the premise. And right out of the gate... It got fairly adversarial. Like you're like, I'm gonna go in the woods. I'm like, you're dead. <laughs> you know, you're like, I'm gonna go remote. I'm like, every zombie movie ever, they're gonna find you. So I had this whole thing worked out. But the thing that I thought was kind of amusing, the funniest part about it, was this part right here. Sure, sure. I believe that with your save humanity complex, the savior of humanity. I don't, it wouldn't be like I don't that. know why you're I'd be so gracious. I don't know why you're yeah. trying to paint that like that's a bad thing. Me wanting to save the population, like I should be vilified for to, that. I'm not saying you're vilified for it. I'm just saying because you're like you want to do it because that's who you want to be. Wait, you know what? I'm gonna pause it here for a second. But it's important to note that kind of what we're talking about is part of my strategy was I was gonna stick people in dog crates. I was going to go kidnap them. Specific people that would be useful once the rest of the population was gone. Doctors and lawyers and things that I thought that we would rebuild Mm -hmm. the human race. That's what we're talking about. And you were, hey, all those people are going to kill you. Once you stick them in a cage, they're going to kill you. And I go, no, they're not going to kill me because they're going to realize they're going to think I'm a crackpot until everybody starts to turn. And then if they don't turn and I save their life, they're going to go, oh, my God, you saved my life. You thought that that was a ridiculous premise. And I'm like, I got a responsibility to reboot the human race. That was kind of the context of this conversation. Mm -hmm. So let me restart that over again. Sure, sure. I believe that with your save humanity complex, the savior of humanity. I don't, it wouldn't be like I don't know why you're, I'd be so gracious. I don't know why you're <laughs> trying to paint that like that's a bad thing. Me wanting to save the population. like. I should be vilified for to, that. I'm not saying you're vilified for it. I'm just saying because you're like, you want to do it because that's who you want to be. Yeah. Not There's not a kindness of it. It's a there's an egotistical part of no, it. No. Like, see, you're- I'm the savior of humanity. No, that's, that's what, right. That's what you say. Me, Bob, I save the world. Okay. There might be some truth to that. <laughs> uh-huh, I know. <laughs> but the thought is genuine. I really would like to to save people. I'm not saying the thought's not genuine. I'm just saying the execution I would like, is a little bit skewed. I would no, no, no. I <laughs> I generally want to save everybody, but is it really so bad that I want credit for for saving them? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? I stand by that. <laughs> so do I. That you you just want to do it so you can get credit for it. So you no, can that, be the savior. That's what's no, important. No, that's still the thing that I'm not doing it so that the point of doing it is not to get the credit. It's if I do it, I'm not against receiving the credit. There's okay. a difference there. I'm not doing it for the credit. I just want the credit for having done it is what it is. Sure. I still don't think you can draw that. I drew line. it. It's drawn. You know, the other funny thing about hearing these old clips, God, the editing is terrible. <laughs> 
Well, think about it. That was from episode 25. That was a long time ago. I know. Yeah. I don't, it was like, what, 10 or 12 episodes that I don't yeah. edit. So we'll do one more. And you know, and it was really hard to pick these because there were a couple of these that I thought was, some of them were really pretty funny. Listening to the entire context makes it even better. But this was from episode 34. And it was Andrew and myself. And I had my boss, Andrew Bennett, come over to the house. We recorded this one in person. So the three of us were sitting in the front room of my house. Mm-hmm. We were talking about models, physical models versus rendering and how it's changing the shape of architectural practice. And the hypothetical question that we presented to discuss in this episode was, you're halfway through walking down a long alleyway when an angry, full-grown chimpanzee stops around the corner at the end, and you can tell that he's about to charge you. You see, to your right, a box of fruit, a shovel, and a small hatchet. As the chimpanzee begins his charge... You only have time to grab one of these items. What's your next move? So that's the premise. You are literally have a chimpanzee that's going to try to kill you. And you have to defend yourself either using a box of fruit, a shovel, or a small hatchet. Okay? Yes, and I think the interesting thing, the context of this as well, is that Andrew Bennett already is aware of the fact that you are adversarial to all of my choices. Well, it's because I told him. He knows. I'm not sure he listens to enough episodes to have figured that out for himself. So here's this one. If I'm looking over my shoulder, I'm not running that fast. <laughs> Even if, like, whatever your top speed now is. you sound like my baseball coach. It's reduced yeah, if you're yeah. looking behind. You're right? absolutely true about that. And so that. that monkey's on you. So what part of your body did it just rip off? That's my question. <laughs> <laughs> it took the shovel first, and then now it's and probably now it's doing beating things you with, with, with the shovel. shovel. <laughs> All right. Okay, Andrew. You want to? How wrong do you want to be? Andrew's like, I see who's more Andrew's wrong. like, I was going to take the shovel. No, I was, I was not going to take the shovel. <laughs> I was going to run the other way. <laughs> That's not what I was going to do at all. Okay, let's hear. Mine's probably much more terrible. Much more incorrect. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's hear it. Let's I'm go. Gonna pick up the hatchet. Oh, you're done. You're done. <laughs> right? That was my theory. It's no, like no you said, small hatchet. That's right, because you're like, like ha hatchet. It's like a paper cut to that guy when you hit him the one time, and then you're done. And it's going to take the hatchet from you and then beat you with it. Yes. Okay. See, so I'm not going to argue. Yeah, you're just giving up. Well, I'm no, I'm not giving up. But my <laughs> definition of what I'm capable of doing with a hatchet to a chimpanzee is not viable to you. If so you guys ever break up no as, point. as podcast buddies, it'll be because of this hypothetical no, and no, you no. telling him he's always wrong. No, he knows that I'm only kind of kidding. <laughs> no, kind of. <laughs> I would move on the offensive or I'm just going to curl up in a ball, not grab anything and curl up in a ball. And I just met him. He's not a small man. He could make some fear. In- I mean, yes, I would be concerned, but I would also... <laughs> If I a would monkey, also have confidence in my ability to get in a fight with a monkey. If, monk, a if a monkey's charging him, he would be concerned. If you get him good <laughs> once in the carotid or somewhere. That's what I'm you saying. Know, if I knee, get him, get him if in I, the knee. If my first. You got one shot. Right to his face. Yeah. Yeah. Right across the face. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't think that I have the ability to do that. No, I'm then not you underestimate my ability. You're going to do, no. do it. Actually, you're both partially The hatchet's correct. starting to warm up on me You're both. I'm not sure you got what it takes. Andrew's a little bit bigger than you. All right. Because that's. Because in reality, I'm probably built like a large chimpanzee. I got pretty long arms. <laughs> but you know what? We already established that your aerobic capacity is very small. No, it's not. It's not as small as you think. You're like one shot. You you'd be are... going, oh. No, no. <laughs> I'm tired. Oh See, this is it, right? This like, is me. I, I just came into this. Yeah. No, right? this is, he told me, what did I say? We were talking earlier. And I said, 
It he goes, what, a joke. he goes, where do we turn? I go, just right. It's so close. You could hold your breath. And he's like, I think you're overestimating yeah, my is... ability to hold my breath. <laughs> but I'm not going to be holding my breath. I'm going to be breathing in a lot. Yeah. All right. So, but yes, I'm going to attack. I'm going to go on the aggressive. aggressive. Hatchet. Mm-hmm. Like I'll grab the hatchet. And I'm going to start running towards him. And he's going to make noise too, probably. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to be screaming and you... I'm going to be running to him just as fast as he's running at me. You're both partially correct. All right. There it is. <laughs> so at least. We got a partially correct out of you on that one. Yeah. But that whole conversation, I think, is really good. We have a three-way conversation about how ridiculous any of those things are, and the whole hypothetical is pretty amusing. I still question not your ability, but anybody's ability to accurately throw. I'm even more, I'm doubling down on the hatchets. I wasn't going to throw it. I'm not going to throw it. I'm going to hatchet it in my hand. Like I know. I always thought you were going to throw it. Chop. No, I'm going to chop. I'm not going to throw it. I was like, that's crazy. Well, if you were thought I was going to throw it, then yes, that is crazy. Yeah, okay, that changed it. This whole time I thought, you're going to throw it? And I go, look, that monkey's like bounding down the alley, popping all over the place. Your ability no, to no, do no. like a kill shot? I go, it's never going to happen. Yeah, no, no. I was never going to throw it. I was going to physically <laughs> chop in close proximity, hand to monkey hand combat. <laughs> <laughs> What, hand, to, hand to monkey fist combat. That's what it's going to be. Well, that's my bad, because I never thought that that's what you're talking about. Uh, I give you a little bit more credit. If you're going to do a little wet work in this alley fight. <laughs> mano y mano. Okay, so we have something new. We're not going to do a would you rather today, and we're not going to do a hypothetical. We have something new. We're saving it. So I have a note here. I'm not sure that it's going to make the show or anything, but you know, it's kind of funny. I wrote in here that the pandemic, COVID, and it all took place. You mentioned earlier, we actually said, we should talk about this. And it's the most ridiculous post ever, because this was back before we really knew what was going on. And we thought, oh, we're going to be at home for a couple of weeks, <laughs> not realizing yeah. that it was going to be as long as it is. That was episode 46, Working From Home. That was March 29th of 2020. So essentially, it was over two years ago when we did that. Mm-hmm. We've recorded more episodes during pandemic and COVID times than we did before that time. I find that shocking. That's pretty wild. And the reason why that actually has some significance to it is because we were starting to get some really good momentum on the podcast, I thought. We already had a great audience and we got really good engagement. And we were going to shows. We'd go to the AIA National Conference. We'd go to the Kitchen and Bath Industry Show, the National Association of Home Builders. People were having us out. Pandemic hits. Wabo. All that stuff, done. Doesn't yeah. happen anymore. It all gets canceled. Over. Do you remember? We had a big party. Yeah, planned for LA at the Auto Museum. I was sad about that, that it got canned. Yeah, we were going to have this huge, it was the 10-year anniversary party for the Life of an Architect website. And we had, it was a huge party. How much it was like $26,000 that we'd kind of lined up? It was crazy. Yeah, It, it was, was going to be this huge blowout party. And then nothing. Yeah. I still got the little board that we had printed out to help promote it, like at one of the events. Oh, yeah. I look at it with some sadness, to be honest with you. With a little tear down your cheek. A little tear, yeah. Yeah. So that kind of changed things a little bit, to be honest with you, because now suddenly we weren't recording in person and we weren't going out and meeting people. I mean, it was disappointing may not be the right word. I can't think of another word. It was disappointing, but it was sad. It was sad, disappointing, whatever word that would be. Mm hmm. It was. The next thing I have on my run sheet here, and we might want to cut this out if we're trying to hit our 
100 minutes, uh, which that's a lot because we haven't even recorded 100 minutes of time yet here. We got like another 15 minutes to go to hit 100. Yes. So, All right. So episode with the most comments. I find it interesting. Sometimes we do these shows and we have terrific engagement on the website, which is interesting because we write a blog post to kind of go over what we talk about. But really, you should listen to the episode. As I, I'm preaching to the choir, because clearly if you're hearing this, you're listening to the episode. I've always wondered how many people just read the post, how many people just listen to the episode, and how many people do both. I've always wondered you know, how that metric breaks down, actually. I mean, there's no way to know, but it, I'm always curious. Well, you know, I tell people every now and then when it comes up, when I write these blog posts, there's Easter eggs all over the place, and people don't know it. And if you don't ever go to the website, you're going to miss all of them. Because like, if you hover your mouse over certain things, words will pop up, and I write silly things in them sometimes. Or I make a joke or I reference something. And if you don't ever do that, you're missing out on this deep cut level of stuff that might be going on the website. I do it to entertain myself, quite honestly. But but the engagement level varies on some of these. Some will have no comments. Well, we've never actually had any episode to have no comments. Zero. Yeah. We've never had a zero comment blog post or podcast episode. But I went to go see which ones had the most comments. Because that used to be the gold standard, was getting engagement on the website. That was a big deal. So the podcast episode with the most comments was episode 69, Better, Faster, Cheaper. I go, that was a good episode, but I didn't think it was amazing. I mean, there weren't that many comments. Yeah, me neither, but it was a lot. I thought that was pretty interesting. And then number two was Architectural Stereotypes at 49. I was trying to find where that episode did 69 in the overall rankings. So Architecture Stereotypes was second with 49. Working from home, the one we mentioned earlier, the pandemic episode, that had 46, which tied it with episode number one, Character Development, also had 46. There's not a huge takeaway from that, quite honestly, but it's funny. There are people that are heavily engaged on the website, and they leave comments all the time. Bruce, Amir, Chad. There's a handful of guys that they comment all the time. And I love those guys for doing it because it creates a lot of opportunity for conversation and they respond to other people. And next thing you know, they're having a conversation and we have nothing to do with it anymore. That's the most rewarding part of almost any blog post I write is if the comment section turns into something interesting. Yeah, I think the interesting thing, or to add those numbers, right, is on the blog post for the podcast only to date, as of right before we started this recording, there were 2,055 comments for the whole 99 episodes. That averages out to be quite a bit. How did you track that information down? It's in my little spreadsheet. I just added them all up and I've got it right there. But you had to go in there and enter the number. Yeah, I did. I just went in there and did it. So you clicked on every post today and uh-huh. wrote down the number of comments. Uh-huh. Man, you need, that's bonkers. I'm the maniac. You're <laughs> the maniac. <laughs> Although I will say this, there's a sad one here that has, that actually only has three comments. <laughs> the Ask the Show one? Yes. <laughs> you know, part of me goes, well, that makes sense. On some of these, I go, I should just turn off yeah. comments because it doesn't, yeah. It doesn't make sense, but. How are you going to comment about the stuff we're talking about? Yeah. I never have. I want to give people the opportunity. If they want to say something, they should be able to. Actually, that's the most recent Ask the Show, which is funny. Some of the other older Ask the Shows, there's more information. Oh, not the most recent. The one before that, 83 is the last one. Oh, see, the fun show, it's, it's in the middle. That's funny. The fun show is just in the midpoint. It's number 50. It's right in the middle. As far as comments go, right in the middle. 
Well, you know, I wonder if I can pull this up while we're actually doing this, but I will tell you. So what was it? 55? That was the most that we had received. The most. Yes. That is so far removed from the blog site, which has the most. Oh, not even close. Like, for example, I just pulled this up. I got you. The about section has 273 comments. I got you. One of them has like 850 comments on it now. I mean, it just goes on and on and on for days. Yeah, that's pretty wild. So 55 is the drop in the bucket compared to what some of these have gotten in the past. And I feel bad because this person uh, actually said, I am truly enjoying your post. Thank you for this wealth of knowledge and humor. We'll keep reading. And I didn't acknowledge it. That makes me feel bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been two months. I can do it now. I can do it right now. I'm not going to do it right now. <laughs> yeah. In the data that I've got here, there's actually, if you look at it, there's very few overlap between currently what is the most total downloads and the most total comments. There's not a lot of overlap. There's one, two, three, three of those that overlap out of the top 20 of each one of those. There's only three that's in the top 20 for downloads and the top 20 for comments. So there's obviously some discrepancy that happens in there. You never know when someone gets moved, like they feel moved to. Because you know what? I wasn't going to bring it up, but on Architectural Stereotypes, that's one of the ones that that we got <laughs> yeah, I forgot. 49 comments on. You were going to talk about that one. Well, you know, we always ask people at the end of the show, and nobody ever does it. I feel like we should take it off. But we go, hey, go leave a comment. Give us a rating. That's a nice way to say thanks, guys. That would be awesome. Well, that actually... Helps us out a lot in reality, yeah. but... And, you know, and I get why people don't do it, but if you were moved by the spirit of joy and happiness to do something nice for Andrew and me, that's what you could do, and we would appreciate it. We got a comment. There's two things about the Apple iTunes, whatever they're called, Apple Podcasts. There's two comments on there that drive me crazy. One of them is we got a one-star rating, and the guy goes, love the show, like one star. Like, clearly it was an accident. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about, that one? Yeah. And then, and maybe you can pull it up faster than I can, but somebody wrote on the architectural stereotypes, they're like, sorry guys, you lost me. You're jerks. And I'm telling everybody I know to stop listening to your show because of this episode. The way he kind of said it made me feel like he didn't actually even listen to it. I don't know. Yeah. Or just didn't understand that it was, we were talking about stereotypes and that they were not really correct. That episode was actually debunking stereotype for the most part. Yeah. yeah. Well, remember he also was getting on us that not everyone can afford fancy clothes. I'm like, we're not even talking about fancy clothes. That's not the point. It's like you missed everything that we're talking about here. Yeah, I know. I didn't get it either. That one drives me crazy. I figured the one about the audio comment would drive you crazy. I don't dwell on some of them. You know what? The audio is not great on all of them. So it happens. <laughs> so we also have a section here that we wrote, oopsie. And I will say, luckily, for the history of the show, we've been pretty fortunate in that we haven't had too many... Big ones. Yeah, we haven't had anything super major, except for three occasions that I can think of. Mm -hmm. One was, we got my buddy Michael Shu to sit in and join us. He did one for us, and it was great, and everybody loved it, and they're like, oh, he's such a good guest, you should have him on again. And I was like, we should do that. Andrew and I were down in Austin, and Michael's in Austin. I said, hey, can you burn part of your afternoon for us and do this? And he goes, yeah, sure. So we set up, and we record. And then halfway through the recording, he goes, hey, guys, I need to take a break. Go get my kids at school or something. And so we hit the pause button for like an hour. And then he came back and we finished and the file was corrupted. Unrecoverable. Yeah. We couldn't use it at all. And I'm not sure that Michael listens to the show very often. 
I never told him. <laughs> I felt so bad. Actually, I think that was a Talking Shop episode, actually. Was it? Yeah, I think it was one of the Talking Shop episodes. Oh, it really bummed me out because the file was corrupt. The only thing that was different was we hit the pause button during recording. For a long time. Yeah, for like an hour. And I go, that had to do something with it. The other thing is on two separate occasions, and luckily, you and I have only made this mistake once each. Mm. And we recorded a whole show without recording our own audio. <laughs> or something happened. Something like that. Yeah, the file didn't work or whatever. Yeah. It was corrupted or it didn't carry over. Or I think it was on yours. The wrong input was selected. So there was no recording. It wasn't corrupt. It was just air. Yeah, there was nothing. Yeah, I think so. I talked for the whole time and I didn't record any of yeah, it. Yeah, in mine, I think I ended up having a corruption as well. Like a ton of the drops. A file issue. I think it was when your laptop was dying. On its last leg. Yes. Yeah. And I'll tell you, there's few things in this world, not like the world, but in the world of recording and podcasting and stuff like that, that's more depressing than recording a show and then it losing it. Like You're like, I can't recapture that magic. I can't. We don't script these out. And sometimes you're like, man, that was a great episode. And then all of a sudden you realize you lost it. And you're like, oh, what's the point? Yeah. One of those was that way. It was a really good episode. Then we had to re-record it. And it just lost its luster in the re-recording. Because when you're telling the stories again or whatever it is for the second time, it's just not quite the same. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a bad episode, but it just didn't have the shine that it did the first time around. Okay. So we're coming up to the end. If we want to hit the 100 minute mark, because we're at 136. Yeah. So here we go. We have these humanizing things. We brought them up earlier. We did hypotheticals. We ended up doing the would you rathers. In the very beginning, we used to do this thing this week in my office or in my spare time. And the problem is, is when we did the in my spare time, we quickly go, well, we don't have any spare time. So what are we talking about here? That didn't last long at all. My spare time is editing podcasts. <laughs> yeah. And then the this week in my office was like a serial. It required you to have listened to other ones and in order for them to make any sense. And I was like, Mm -hmm. This isn't going to work because people ping pong all over the place and they come in and they go out and they listen to this two and then they skip five and then they do that one and then they jump back to 12 or I go, that's not going to work. This is a bad plan. So we thought maybe we should introduce a new, a new one, a new way of humanizing ourselves at the end. Yeah. I want to say though, there's, I found it surprising that there was one episode that we didn't do anything at the end. Episode 21. <laughs> Which one was 21 though? Uh, I don't remember the, what it was. The boring show? Was that I think that so. Was? It was episode 21 and we didn't do anything at the end of it. It had no hypothetical, no, no anything. We just ended the episode and that was it. Peace out, mic drop. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of weird, but that's what happened. So. All right. Well, we're not going to do that on today's show. Today's new series that we're introducing. This is a working title. We'll see if it sticks. We're going to call it Ranked. And the premise is that we're going to rank stuff, <laughs> but not regular stuff. <laughs> we're going to rank good stuff. All right. Or absurd stuff. Yeah. Well, the other thing is we have a premise and I'm not sure we're going to do it that way this week, but in general, the premise is going to be, let's say I come up with the thing that we're going to rank. Andrew has to rank it. And then I evaluate the quality of his rankings. Because if we said, Rank your top five sandwiches. 
we can't both list our top five sandwiches. That's too much time. We don't want to burn that much time, and it's not interesting enough for us. That's a show. I don't want to do that. So we'll pick something. I might say, like, rank top two, bottom two fingers. (laughs) What finger doesn't make the cut? What's the best finger? What's the worst finger? It could be silly. It could be whatever it is. So we're going to start off. We're going to rank the days of the week from best to worst. You ready to do this? Sure. Are we going to both go with this one a little bit or what? Well, you know, I'll let you answer it, then I'll agree or disagree. Okay. And then we'll we'll debate why we chose them in the order that we did. Okay. So what's number one day of the week for you? Friday. Agreed. Friday's number one day. Yeah. It's just, it's the best. Yeah. Okay. Let's do what's the worst day of the week. Monday. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe Sunday. Sunday. Definitely Sunday. Sunday or Monday, although I will still say Monday for me. It's going to be Monday. Yeah, because I still manage to do some things and be productive on Sundays. It's just the only part of Sunday that stinks is Sunday night (laughs) when I start realizing all the stuff I've got to do this coming week. But I try to put that off as much as possible till in the evening. So most of Sunday is not bad. So it's really Monday when it all hits home and I've got to start dealing with all of it. No, Mondays don't bother me. But I will tell you, so a friend of mine, Danielle, she's worked with me for years. She calls them the Sunday scaries. And I was like, you know what? That's what it is. Sure. I get that. Mm-hmm. My Sunday morning, it's fine. Sunday morning's fine. Then all of a sudden, all this anxiety starts to show up on what's going on and what do you got to do? And I mean, just what didn't you do and what's incomplete? And oh, God. I mean, it's been my whole life. I've never liked Sunday starting in the evening, five o'clock. Yeah, I was going to say about five o'clock, four or five o'clock when you know there's not enough time to finish the stuff that you want to do. But then you're already thinking about the stuff that you have to do. Yes. Mondays, but I just don't like Mondays. It's just the start, getting up, starting the week. And I don't know. I'm not a big fan of Mondays. Yeah. So I understand the Sunday scaries, but it's the whole day. Because especially here lately, for me, Mondays are so long. I'm at school 12 hours on Mondays. And it's just, by the time I get home, I'm just drained. It's just worse. Okay. So we agree. Friday's number one. Yes. And Mondays are number seven for you. Sure. Sundays are number seven for me. So that means Mondays are number six for me. Okay. And Sunday's number six for you. Yes. So what's the second best day of the week? Saturday. Agreed. <laughs> that should be an easy one. So yes. number one, Friday. Number two, Saturday. What's number three? Thursday. You know what? I kind of like Wednesday. Mm. I like Wednesday in the three hole because mm. it's like you can start to see cool on the horizon. Yeah, the downhill. But there's still enough time in front of you to go, I can get my stuff done. That's fair. I got time. I'm not like scrambling. I'm not like, oh God, I have a deadline, which is tomorrow afternoon or whatever it is. So I like Wednesdays over Thursdays. That's fair. That's fair. Because then for me, the next day would be Wednesdays. Is it? Yeah. All right. I'm going to say Thursdays. So like that means Tuesday's the lame duck day. Tuesday is the middle. Yeah, the middle duck day. Not the worst day, but just it's just a day. Most of the time, Tuesdays are sort of inconsequential. Tuesdays are the days that I confuse the most. Like, what day is it today? It's Tuesday? I thought it was Thursday. Like, it uh, either it either feels like, what do you mean? I've only been at work for two days? I feel like yeah. I've been here a month already. Yeah. Tuesday tends to be that day a little bit, but. And see, that's how I feel. Tuesday and Wednesday for me are pretty interchangeable. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad, but they're all just in the middle of the week, and they just feel like there's either way too much to go, or there's not enough have been completed yet. That's just how it feels for me. Yeah. All right. But yeah, I think definitely Friday. I thought about having Saturday, but that feeling of Friday and being done, even when you wake up Friday, you're like, yes, 
It's Friday. I mean, I always wake up and go, yes, it's Saturday, but I'm in Fridays and you're like, yeah, it's Friday. <laughs> Fridays that, you know, the kind of the visual descriptor of Fridays is like that last day of school, that moment of you do it, but then you get to throw your papers in the air <laughs> exactly. as you run out the, like that exuberance that yes. doesn't happen on Saturdays. It happens on Fridays. Yeah. It's always, it's just, yeah, it's the best. Even if it's a long day, Fridays are still, it's Friday. It's like, I don't have to do this again tomorrow. I can sleep in if that's what I want to do or just whatever. You know, I'm going to do something Saturday or you have plans on Friday night. Be excited about that. If you don't think that's the best day, I think we've got issues. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Here's Andrews. Andrews number one to number seven. It's Friday, Saturday, Thursday. Wednesday. Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday, Tuesday, Sunday, Monday. Sunday, Monday. For the most part, we only differ on two of them. That's not couple, bad. Yeah, flip them around a little bit. That's not bad. So you don't know what the next ranked is going to be. We could rank fingers. We could rank sandwiches. We could rank. We had to like rank the 10 fingers, not just five. Yeah. Like you got to rank all 10 of them. Or rank your toes. <laughs> Big toes, number one. All the rest of them are tied for last. <laughs> yeah. No, pinky toes got to be the worst. But No, nope, no, pinky's important because if you lose your pinky, you got to relearn how to walk. I know, but I stubbed that sucker more than anything on the planet. <laughs> if I didn't have it, it would be different. I haven't stubbed a toe since I was eight years old. Oh, well, lucky you. Okay, so there you go. That is the 100th episode. Maybe the longest show that we've done. And we'll see how good an editor Andrew is if we can stick it to yeah. 100 minutes. We didn't say it, but the goal is that this is 100 minutes for this 100th episode. I know. I don't think we're going to get it. I think we're, it's going to be slightly off. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'll try. I'm going to try really hard. Well, you won't know because you don't do the music. Uh, that's true. Right? So the, you got to tell me how much time I need for the music. Music's a wild card. Well, I'll have to see. So there you go. We're going to call that a wrap. So thanks for being with us today for episode 100, the 100th episode. Special thanks to our sponsor, Peterson, who manufactures pack clad architectural metal cladding systems. Peterson's products include wall and roof systems in both steel and aluminum. Pack clad systems are available nationwide in 46 standard Kynar based PVDF colors. Visit pack-clad.com to learn more. In addition, special thanks to our media partners, Building Design and Construction, for their ongoing support of the Life of an Architect podcast. They've been with us since day one and we're happy to have our association with them. Want to get every new episode automatically downloaded? Make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on your podcast player of choice so you can get alerted every time we publish an unbelievably outstanding new episode. While you're there, please consider leaving us a comment, and I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave us a five-star how many more of these are there going to be rating. <laughs> to get even more content, head over to lifeofanarchitect.com for blog posts, links, and info about this magnanimous episode and all the website has to offer. You can even add your own voice and join the conversation. Thanks so much for tuning in. Take it easy, everybody. Cheers. Joining me today is Anthony Laney, co-founder and partner at Laney LA. Hi, Anthony. Thanks for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great to be here, Bob. And today we are joined in studio, otherwise known as the front room of my house, by photographer Paul Ober. 
Hi, Paul. How are you doing? Pretty good. Happy well, to be here. Mike also worked as an architect and briefly as an urban planner in San Diego before transitioning to the practice of law. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing great, Bob. Thanks for having me. Also joining us is Sal Verastro. Mr. Verastro is a principal in the firm, Spillman Farmer Architects, and he's been that since 1983. How are you doing today, Sal? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Nicholas Renard, owner, architect, and registered residential contractor of DIG and my best friend. I would like to note that our guest provided us with that intro. If I can have lots of best friends, you are absolutely my best friend. Thank you, Bob. And we have a guest with us today, a special guest, architect Michael Shu. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Are you excited? I am. Really? I really am. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome back to the show, my former podcast co-conspirator, Landon Williams. Hello, hello. Glad to be here. I know. It's familiar territory for you. I love it. Except it's all new equipment. Upgrade when I left. I see how it is. Partner, principal, and owner at Boca Pal, and technically speaking, my new boss, I'm starting to wonder if having him on the show is a smart career move. Andrew Bennett. Hey, Bob. Hey, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a real thanks. pleasure. We also have a special guest, Brian Termail, to talk about the skilled labor gap. Hi, Brian. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. And we decided to come out of the gate strong with our first guest, Canadian architect and emerging voice in the architectural community, my friend, Omar Gandhi. Hey, Omar. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, guys. How's it going? I hope everyone enjoys our conversation today with Marlon Blackwell. Hi, Marlon. Welcome to the show. We appreciate you joining us today. Great to be here. How are things in Fayetteville? Ah, comfortably numb. Barbara Hewlett serves as Senior Vice President at Fordham in her role as my slightly older sister. Hi, Barb. Or should I call you Barbara since we're having a professional conversation? I say either one would be better than what you called me as a child. Today's special guest, Eric Reinholdt from 30 by 40 Design Workshop. Hi, Eric. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. That's a fantastic introduction. Thank you. And today we're talking with Christy Williamson, building scientist extraordinaire. Hi, Christy. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so delighted to to be doing it. It's fun to chat with you two. And today we are talking architecture visualization and graphics with none other than Alex Hograve. Hi, Alex. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah. Are you excited? Yeah, I'm always excited. Please welcome to the show, Lane Acri. Hello, everyone. Hey, Bob. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this conversation. Lane, welcome to the show. Jason, welcome to the show. You're you're new. Newcomer. This is, yeah, this is new for you. Thank you. How excited are you? Super. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 0 for 1, apparently, on this, so I'm, I'm interested to see if I can pull up that record. We have invited architect, registered interior designer, lead AP, and associate at Perkins & Will, Tori Wickard. Hi, Tori. Welcome to the Life of an Architect podcast. Hey, guys. I'm so excited to be here. The founder of Huff Architecture and Fabrication, Matthew Huff is an architect by trade and an entrepreneur by nature. Hi, Matthew. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Honored to be here. Alfred Fadari Jr. Welcome to the show, Alfred. Well, thank you so much. I'm excited and honored to be here with both of you this afternoon. Thank you. Architect and founding principal at Alamo Architects in San Antonio, Mike McGlone. That's a lot of stuff. Hi, Mike. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thrilled to be here. 